0: part of moving up in corporate America is building relationships right and like there's if you're not working with someone right um, and you're not building that relationship through actual work and you're just like seeing them in the halls you know saying hi seeing them in the micro kitchen and you're starting on conversation um, you need to find some common ground right and me blasting 90s Jay-Z Um, is not the thing that is going to bring us together, right? Um, It's going to be them telling me about them going skiing and me being like, oh my God, that sounds really fun. I would love to do that one day. No, I wouldn't actually. Um, But it's kind of feels like I need to force it because I need these people to know who I am. I need to build these relationships in order to continue to getting ahead in my career. And um, if that means that I need to be fake, it, you know, I've learned that it's just, I have to do what it takes. And that's that.
1: Yo, it's your boy, Pavel. Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu eres? podcast brought to you by Plural. That was a clip from today's episode. Shout out to the homie, Samantha Brown. Before we get into her bio, just want to give a quick shout out to you all. Thank you again for listening. All right, a little bit about Samanda. She is a Dominican immigrant raised in the South Bronx and is now residing in Harlem. Being able to grow up, but also make it out of one of New York City's most impoverished neighborhoods has empowered her to work towards closing the racial wealth gap. Building generational wealth brick by brick and also empowering and educating members of her own community to do the same are very, very important to her. When I asked her about all that she has achieved and what she thought about it, she said, I'm sure growing up, many people have doubted me. That's okay. To be honest, my reality today is beyond my furthest dreams. I didn't even know a life like this was possible for someone who grew up like I did. With that said, let's get into the episode. Do you remember where we, Do you remember when we met?
0: Yeah, I actually remember. No, remember how we met? It was yeah, through. I mean, her name is Lauren.
1: Wait, what? That's not how we met.
0: That's how we met. Yes, we met through the girl that worked at Tapad with me. And I told her. I was starting at facebook and she was like oh i have someone that is starting from rocket fuel at facebook too
1: that's right that is
0: and then we met up in the lobby of your hotel the morning of our welcome orientation
1: because we were all taking the like like that free facebook shuttle
0: yeah but i didn't know it was you i didn't I realized it was you when I saw you cause you were the only Dominican looking person there. Um, <laughs> but we didn't actually make plans to connect that morning. I just happened to bump into you in the lobby.
1: Yeah. Cause I think, cause I think your hotel wasn't too far, but my hotel was like kind of the pickup stop essentially or like pretty close to it. That's what it was. I don't remember. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so fun. I forgot about Lauren.
0: Is that her name though?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is her name. Her name is
0: Laura. Her name is Laura.
1: Laura, Laura, Laura. Yo, it's crazy because I, uh, so Laura shared your your name and uh, I looked you up and I was like, oh, Samantha Brown. And I was like, oh, Brown. Okay, cool. Like shit, there's gonna be black people. Like I'm gonna meet black people at Facebook like on my first day. And then I was just excited for that. And then, you know, we get to know each other. We start talking and you were like, oh no, I'm Dominican. I was like,
0: Yo, that is instantly. a married last name, husband's black.
1: Yeah, yeah, instantly I like felt this connection to you and I feel like instantly we just became best friends.
0: I mean, cause it's like how, I've actually never worked with another Dominican person in a professional workspace. Like all the jobs I've had, like maybe I've had one or two black people, but I've actually never worked with another Dominican, right? So when I met you, I think at that point I was like, okay, that's it sticking with him because duh another dominican <laughs> and it was also about i remember we had breakfast after we met and we were listening to the music and we were both jamming was it tyrese was it maybe, sweet lady yeah. maybe yeah we were jamming to tyrese sweet lady and i was like yeah this is it mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i think i think we instantly started making fun of our own names too
0: oh <laughs> i mean <laughs> yes they're not like the best names i get So today I got Samantha. Sometimes I get Amanda, which is like, okay, Samantha, Amanda. Um, I've gotten Stephanie before. What? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, can you please read your email? Um, and it's also confusing because I don't sign off emails, you know, Samantha, I sign off SB and I've always done that. I use my initials. Um, so I think that sometimes that can be a little bit confusing to people. Like what does she want me to call them? SB or Samantha? So um it's just a habit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh no, I get the same thing. I get Pablo all the time. Uh oh my
0: god, Pablo. I think Pablo's like
1: the most one that I get. I'm just like, where do people get the O? Whatever. But
0: do they also call you Paybelle?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes people call me Paybell. Paybell or PayPal. But then again, I right, so like English is a whole nother thing. Cause like I don't really even know how to say my name in English. I just made the shit up one day. Cause it wasn't meant to be said in English. You know what I mean? Yeah, Pavel, that's how you're supposed to say it. But like one day someone just asked me what my name was and I was just like, uh, Pavel? they were like, oh yeah, cool, Pavel from now on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, I think it's right though, Pavel.
1: Appreciate it. Uh, Well, funny enough, like obviously, you know, we clicked early on as far as just like being really cool, being friends like immediately. And I feel like I know the real you, but then so often, you know, part of this podcast that we talk about is really, you know, not always do we feel that comfortable with somebody, right? Like a lot of times we hide who we are in order to, to fit in or not feel judged or like all these things. Right. So, you know, when people tell you to be your authentic self or just the word authenticity in general, what, what comes to mind for you?
0: I think that that's a hard one for me. Right. Because growing up, um, like, right. I grew up in the South Bronx. So I grew up around, um, other Dominicans, black people. Um, and then, I was also lucky enough to be part of a lot of programs that involve white people. Um, So I grew up kind of straddling both worlds and growing up, it was like, anytime I was around my Dominican family or like my black friends, you're very white. I'd be like, okay. Um, And like that was seen as a negative thing growing up like you never wanted to be white you wanted to be what you were you wanted to be Dominican you wanted to be black etc and then I always felt like around other people that were not Hispanic were not black I did feel like the other so for me it took me a while to understand what my authentic self was because I played both fields for so long I was one way with um, my my friends and family and then another way when I showed up to any school event and i was 12 and i already understood the differences of how, how i was supposed to show up um so now i think i do a little bit of both um my most authentic self you're going to hear me say dead ass a lot um <laughs> <laughs> um i will i'm i'm loud and i have a very loud laugh I know when I'm not being my most authentic self when I'm more reserved. And I I think that's me at work. You will see me very, uh, professional, very to the point, because that's how I was always taught to show up in a workspace. You know, like you're going to show up, you're going to be confident. You're going to know what you're talking about. Um, and there wasn't a lot of room for the real me, except for when I got to Facebook, um, And even then I only show my most authentic self to a specific group of people at Facebook. So you get it, Um, some of my close teammates get it, but 90% of the company probably does not see my most authentic self.
1: They're missing out, they're missing
0: out. It's hard, right? Because one day I mistakenly slipped a dead ass to one of my coworkers. He's older, he's like maybe like mid forties white man And he just looked at me, blank stare. And I was like, I mean, true, very true. (laughs) Um, And after that, I was like, I need to watch my dead asses because they're not always um, fully understood or welcomed in this workspace. But honestly, I feel like I've learned to mask who I am so that I can continue moving ahead in corporate world. And it's a shame that I have to do that And it's a shame that I've conditioned myself to do that. Like now I can't tell. Like I will quickly code switch and it's just second nature to me. Um, uh, A coworker actually brought up to me because um, when we weren't in COVID and we had an office, uh, one of the people that sat behind me, she's Puerto Rican and from Brooklyn. Um, So anytime her and I would connect, it would just be very loud, very Dominican, very Puerto Rican. and my language with her would change. And one of my teammates once said to me, you know, you don't interact with me like you interact with Jen. Um, And, you know, I naturally laughed because I'm I'm good friends with her. Oh yeah, I I know Jen.
1: Jen's dope.
0: Yeah, it was was a Jen. Um, And I said, it's different, right? Like Jen and I have a lot of commonalities. She understands, um, even in my tone, I can say something and she understands what I'm saying. Um, we can speak Spanish. We can talk about San Sancocho. We can talk about a lot of different things. Um, and I just feel more comfortable showing up with, with my most authentic self with her because she gets it because she understands that she even has to code switch at times. Um, and that actually made me feel better. I knew I wasn't the only one, but I was I was glad that I found someone that not only I felt comfortable being authentic with, but that she felt comfortable being authentic with me. Um, but it's really hard to do that in the workspace.
1: Yeah, no, I get that, say that
0: it's easy. It's not.
1: No, it's definitely not easy. There's so many things I want to unpack there. Uh, I mean, obviously, but first I want to go back to, you know, you said you grew up in the South Bronx in, in a neighborhood that was traditionally Hispanic, Latino, uh, black, even like, what was that like? Um, And were there any sort of like early experiences or or early values that were taught to you that sort of shaped who you are?
0: Um, You know, it's actually funny that I didn't know I was poor until I went to NYU, Um, because growing up in the (laughs) South Bronx, everybody is poor. So it's like very relative, like who's better off than who. And it was also funny because now that we think about where we are today, which is like The country seems to be very divided. Um, Growing up, it was Dominicans and Puerto Ricans versus Black people. Like There was no mixing. Um, So I feel like I grew up, one, dealing with such a divide. Um, And to be honest, I even grew up with very, uh, for lack of a better word, racist parents. I, my parents did not like it when I had black friends because they had this idea of who black people were based on like things they would see on the news. Um, I didn't live in the best neighborhood. So anytime that something happened, it happened to be a black male. So, um, I think early on, I grew up with like that idea of colorism, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm not white. Um, and, and neither is half of my family, but they were still racist against African-Americans. So one thing I grew up knowing very early is, is knowing that divide existed, um, even if it was within the minority community and not like the general white versus um, black. But what it also taught me and I think growing up there and getting to where I am today, which to many people won't think it's much because um, I just live in Harlem. But Harlem is up and coming. Um, and I live in a pretty nice neighborhood in Harlem. And to me, that's, that's success. Because I can be somewhere else if I want to be. But no, I don't. I want to be in Harlem. Because while, yes, it's nice to live in nice places, there's something about being around my own that I, that I appreciate. Um, and now that I have a daughter who is African-American, I want her to grow up. Around people that look like her, um, because to me that that was really important. Like even though I, I sometimes suffered from feeling that inclusion, because of sometimes being too white or you know being too Dominican, et cetera. Um, I think it's really important because all of my closest friends I made in the South Bronx are all Dominican, some black, um, and those are the people that I know I can connect with all my life. Right. Cause we, we, we grew up um, with a lot of the same struggles. We have a lot of the same um, fundamental goals in life. And I don't think I would have gotten that somewhere else. That's not the South Bronx. You gain a level of appreciation and perspective. Yeah. Once you make it of everything that you had to overcome, but it also makes you want to work that much harder so that you can give back.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy too. I mean, I know that so many things you touched on, but it's crazy too. Like I never, I was never taught that I was black. Like no one ever told me I was black. And it's something that I always knew, but you know, my family would always just say, yeah, we're Dominican. You know what I mean? Be proud to be Dominican. Like I was never told to be I was never told the background as far as like Dominican Republic. And it's funny, this dude at Facebook, who's Dominican, he took this ancestry DNA test and he was like, "Pabell, I'm shocked. Can you believe that I'm I'm over 40, 50% West African? I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that shit. Like, you don't have to pay for the test. Like, you know what I mean? But it's it's one of those things that I feel like a lot of people go through like they 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 don't have the they don't have that conversation and their and their parents one like don't teach them but also some families don't even believe they're black as well right and then you know that teaches certain lessons to their kids I mean even dating for you right like what was that like growing up because obviously right now you're you're married to a black man shout out to George faithful black man club you know what I mean <laughs> um, but what was that even like like something as simple as just like looking to date,
0: um so. I think I've always been, a, despite my parents' um, colorism favoring light skin, I've always dated dark skin guys. So oh. one of the guys I dated for a while was Dominican, but he was dark skinned. And um, Cabell, no, I will never date a Dominican ever again.
1: Oh, God, um, we're not going to get into that.
0: We're not going to get into that. But um, my parents didn't like him either. And I'm sure they had more reasons than him just being uh, dark skinned. He probably wasn't. He was a typical Dominican man. Um, don't make that face, you know what that means. And, you know, after that, I think I was like really scarred. I was like, you know what, me and Dominican men were just, we can't do this. Um, and then I met George when my mom found out she cried, literal tears coming down her face when she found out I was dating a black man. Um, my dad didn't speak to me for months. Um, it was probably like a year actually that he went without speaking to me. I think we, we started talking um, in between just cause life happened and there were moments where we really need to come together as a family. Um, but as soon as like those moments ended, him and I went back to not speaking because to him, um, George was just trying to lighten his race and was using me. Mind wow. you, my dad's best friend is basically Haitian. The man is darker than George. But that's okay, because he's Dominican. He's not black. Yeah. Um, so dating George was a very big thing for my family, right? It's you go into cultural differences. It was hard at first for me because I always imagined my significant other being able to like talk to my mom and whatnot. Um, but Honestly, they communicated very well. Um, My mom actually got sick six months after George and I started dating. Um, And within probably like a year, George was taking her to chemotherapy by himself. I wasn't there because I was in school and um, they would sit there for six hours together and they would somehow communicate. I don't know how, but I think that showed to my mom that color really doesn't matter, right? Because despite George being African-American, not speaking Spanish, his heart is a heart of gold. Like he didn't have to do those things for me. You know, my mom, I could have figured out another way to get my mom to chemotherapy, but like I had class um, and he stepped up and would take her. They would have a good time. And at one point I just believed my mom loved him more than she loved me. She would be like, (laughs) I'd be like, mom, I'm hungry. And she would be like, eat George, tiene hambre, quien quiere? And I'm just like me." And she's like, "No, no, no. George." And I'm like, "Mom, I, I, but I want San. She's like, "No, no, no I don't go Um So really, that became her love. And I think that's very that was a very telling moment for my entire family, right? Because they had been used to perceiving black people a certain way, and then George comes and, you know, breaks down all those negative notions that they had. And now it's like, George is their favorite for all my cousins. It's, you should find a man like George.
1: Oh, wow. He setting the standard,
0: he sets very high standards. Um, but yeah, actually George is like the, I mean, I guess I dated other dated. If you consider like two dates, going to coffee, other guys, but like long-term relationships, George was my second Wow. and. Eleven years later we are married and have a kid.
1: Oh, it's an uphill battle for us Dominican men. It's all right though. It's a uh <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. It's fine.
0: Nothing that you guys have brought onto yourself.
1: <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Um yeah, shout out to my dad who um we're not gonna yeah.
0: Yeah, well that's pro- not shout yeah. out mine either.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, uh no, nah, I mean that that's that's an experience that I, I hear very often. I mean, I even dated I dated a girl whose father was telling her the same things. Like I don't ever want to see you with a, with a, with a, with a black man essentially. And yeah, that shit happens all the time. I want to, I want to fast forward to like, you know, you said you, you grew up in the South Bronx, then eventually you made your way to NYU and that is a completely different environment, right? From financial statuses with people you're interacting to just like demographics overall. I mean, it's a mostly white school, right? Like what was that experience like? And, as far as authenticity, like it was that when you first started to sort of like hide a bit of who you were?
0: Um, I think that NYU was also an interesting experience because you know, when you get very much in your head about something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went into NYU as a C-STEP student, um, which was like a program that was like HEOP, but your parents just were a little bit over the threshold of the income. So you ended up going into C-STEP. And all most of the kids obviously in C-Step and HEAP, were either um, Hispanic or black. And I um, actually didn't hang out with them very often because in my head, I told myself this narrative, right? I'm like, you know what? They're not gonna like me. I'm not Dominican enough. I'm not black enough. Like I'm not going to fit in. Um, So what I ended up doing was leaning more towards the other side and making more um, friends with the white kids in different dorms than I did with the actual kids in HEOP and CSTEP. And that's a decision I regret to this day. Um, but in my mind, like my family, ha- my family and my friends had already put me into this bucket that I eventually ended up putting myself in, being like, you know what, I don't belong there. Um, and I never really felt like I belonged with the white people either. It was just easier um, then trying to pretend or feel like I was pretending with other Dominicans and other Hispanics.
1: Wow. So you felt like if you were with that, with the C-STEP program, like you in a way would have been like faking it and over pivoting just to feel like you fit in. But at the same time, like you were doing the same thing with these, with for yeah. sort of like the white group, right?
0: It's just like, it was, it was easier, right? Because they, I feel like the other group would have, it would have been easier to call me out on it to me in my head Mm -hmm. dominicans would have called me out for not being dominican enough um and they would have known that i was faking it right not realizing like now looking back at it like these people were probably people going through the same things that i were you know were probably told the same exact things by their families and people that they grew up with um but to me it was such a negative thing and i was just like you know what i don't want to feel like i don't belong um because i feel like not belonging to your own people hurts more than not belonging to like the other group because you know you don't belong. Um, But so it was much easier for me to just lean towards hanging around my white friends. Um, I will say that I'm probably friends with one of those people today and um, all my closest friends are still my friends from high school.
1: Wow, What, what, what do you think you were most insecure about as far as like not being Dominican enough? For me, I'll be honest, like my Spanish is good, but my Dominican Spanish ain't there. I'll be honest. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean,
0: like your Dominican Spanish is probably there. It's just that Dominican Spanish is actually not always the best. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know what it was. I think it was just like everything. Just like my sense of being just not being Dominican enough. Like we didn't, I never listened to the same music, right? Yeah. growing up, um, I was very much into what do I listened to think of like a one tree hill soundtrack and that's what <laughs> I listened to. Right. Like, okay. um, me listening to Mambo and stuff like that. That wasn't me. Like I mm-hmm. obviously, obviously I was in love with Aventura. Right. Duh. It wasn't. Who was it? But that was it like out of music. Um, I knew it because obviously my mom loved bachata, my dad loved salsa, and we would play it all the time. Um, But even down to that, like it just, I'd never listen to it except for those few things. And um, I would always just lean towards the other things. And now that I think about it, was I leaning towards that? Because I thought that that was the better thing, the better music to listen to, the better thing to be, probably. Now that I look back on it, probably. Um, But yeah, I just like never felt like I fully fit in.
1: That's really interesting. I mean, because so often we hear, we hear like, yo, that shit is corny, right? Like I remember back in the day, like I really like reggaeton, for example. um, But I would hear like, oh, that shit is corny. It all all got the same beat, this and that. And I would hear that shit and I was like, damn, maybe that shit is kind of corny. And I feel like at a young age, we're so... I mean, it's the only word I could think of, but just like malleable, like we can be shaped yeah. and shifted any way with like the right amount of people telling us or like in our ear. Um, but now look at this shit, right? Like some of the most popular artists in the world are reggaeton artists, right? Like, um,
0: bad I wonder, Bunny is I, killing it. White people love Bad Bunny.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder if like back in the day, if I, if I went away from it, I, there was a point where like I didn't even like bachata. Because, like, as a dude, I was like, yo, like, dudes don't dance. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to be that tough guy in the room, that kind of shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of went through the same thing.
0: And, like, it, it sucks, right? Because now that I'm older, like, I very much embrace my culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a rule um, that when I pick up, when I drop off my daughter at daycare, we have to listen to some type of Spanish music. If it's raining, it's salsa. If it's not raining, um, it'll be bachata, reggaeton, something. And then on the way back, um, we li- we only and I specifically only listen to '90s hip hop, right, and R and B for her. Um, oh. And that's just my way of making sure that she feels good about all parts of who she is, her Dominican side, her black side, um, because when I think about my, my fondest memories, like when I walk into a, a bodega and they're playing old school salsa that I hated. I hated when my dad played salsa from the eighties. But when I walk into a bodega and is playing, it's a very fond memory for me. It like, it makes me feel very good. And I want her to have that. Like I want her to be able to walk into a bodega or a place in Harlem and feel like she's home.
1: I love that, I love that, and music music, I feel like has that nostalgia for so many people as well. I hundred percent agree um, I would
0: say food too, like one thing I'm doing um, as I try to like really embrace being Dominican is I was like, I can't have my daughter grow up not eating Dominican foods, so like while I do see my family often it's like I only see them like maybe once every two weeks, so um what I'm doing now is every month, I have to master a Dominican meal, um, so I, I feel that. like I just got my beans to where I want them to be last week. So now this month I'm moving on to Moto um, and I'm gonna showcase it at my friends'giving in a, in a few weeks. So wish me luck
1: Oh I Stay love fun. that Well if you don't if you don't have enough taste testers and you need somebody out your house, you know you let me know.
0: I mean' you're, you're, you're close by. but like it took me what 29 years to get here to like be that accepting of who I am um to want to be able to do these things and like to your point when did i start saying considering myself part of the black community once i left the like the south bronx and realized that the rest of the world already thinks i'm black
1: tell me about right. that like what when did you have that experience that you realized that
0: um so I, I guess when you're growing up in the south bronx around other dominicans um and black people they see you and you know, they know you're not Black, they're just going to say you're Spanish. That's fine. I don't feel any which way about that. Going to NYU, my, and even in the workplace, um, no one has ever thought me to be Hispanic when they first guess where I'm from. Um, Their first reaction is to think that I'm Black mixed with um, Caucasian or maybe some type of light Hispanic. but I've the Black is always there. And that's when I realized that um, the rest of the world, regardless of whether I consider myself Dominican, Hispanic, thinks I'm Black. And they view me as Black. And I think that's why these, um, I, I empathize with the Hispanics for Trump, because I, I get it, right? Like I can see their side of it, especially for Cubans. Um, but when I see Dominicans that are just like, you know what? Um, Trump loves NYPD, so, you know, Trump's my man. And I'm kind of just like, you realize that to the rest of the world, you are still a black person, right? Whether you're Dominican, actual black, you are black. And the moment you step out of that uniform, you are black. Um, so I think for me, I understand why they might feel like they don't fall into that bucket because we're taught that we're not, we're not the same, we're different. Um, but going to NYU and surrounding myself with what, 20,000 other people from around the country, around the world, made me realize that, nope, to the rest of the world, outside of minority community that can actually tell that I am some type of minority, um, they all think I'm black.
1: And, and one thing is realizing who you are right realizing you're black for example or you know really just start embracing it you know what what got you to the point that you were just like inspired to just like embrace everything you know all the all dimensions of who you are
0: um I think that probably happened within the last five years or so um once I let go of everything I was I thought I was supposed to be um because for the most part everything that I was doing career-wise, which is obviously in a Hispanic household, the most important thing in the world. Um, Whatever job you get obviously makes you who you are. And, you know, I felt good. I felt good about the trajectory I was on. Um, But something still felt off, right? Like I was tired of pretending that I cared about my coworkers ski trips, or that like, I even, I, not that I ever pretended I knew how to ski, um, or that I went skiing, but I'd just be like, oh my God, that sounds really fun. And it's like, no, I don't know what that's like. I've never been skiing. Um, no desire to go skiing really. <laughs> and, you know, at that point I was kind of just like, I need to start, um, looking deep inside me and figuring out, you know, what are the things that I, I want people to know about me? Um, what are the things that I want to put out into the world? And my Dominicanness is part of that. Because we need, like, for me, it's very important that especially young people, people that are younger than me in high school, see that a Dominican girl from the South Bronx can get here. So who, where, who I am and where I'm from is very important to me. Because it's, you know, while people say that, oh, well, you know, a lot of people have made it to where you are. Yeah, a lot of people too probably went to high schools that actually had AP classes or had textbooks they could use or had teachers that didn't walk out crying. Um, they had actual resources. So yes, we got to the same place, but we did not start in the same place. And our, um, our battles were not the same.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's, <laughs> it's funny about that, that ski trip example like <laughs> can you walk me through exactly what that is so <laughs> like why did you feel like one you had to lie you know why did you feel like you had to act as if you were into skiing
0: because you know what they also teach you is that like part of moving up in corporate america is building relationships right and like there's if you're not working with someone, right? um, And you're not building that relationship through actual work and you're just like seeing them in the halls, you know, saying hi, seeing them in the micro kitchen and you're starting a conversation, um, you need to find some common ground, right? And me blasting 90s Jay-Z is not the thing that is going to bring us together, right? Um, It's going to be them telling me about them going skiing And me being like, oh my God, that sounds really fun. I would would love to do that one day. No, I wouldn't actually. Um, But it's kind of feels like I need to force it because I need these people to know who I am. I need to build these relationships in order to continue getting ahead in my career. And um, if that means that I need to be fake, it, you know, I've learned that it's just, I have to do what it takes. And that's that. You know what?
1: It's crazy because I feel like, and I was actually on a panel the other day at, um, I had a Snapchat and they were asking me about, well, it was just me talking about like the podcast and they were asking me, you know, what can we do to make people feel more comfortable? And I was saying, I don't know if this is just your experience, by the way, but I've seen this in, in my own situations. And I've seen other colleagues when talking to their coworkers who don't look like the white coworkers, let's just call it what it is, whatever. <laughs> um, like, for example, someone says like, oh yeah, I went skiing over the weekend. And I feel like we, as people of color, we over pivot our enthusiasm and our curiosity to ask them follow-up questions. Like, oh my God, what was that like? And then we say, oh my God, I've always wanted to do it. Can you give me a recommendation? Which we're never going to use, but give it to me anyway. Oh my God, you know what? I'm actually, I don't really care about skiing, but what I really want to do is get a fly outfit. Oh my God, your outfit was so fly. Like we put so much effort into this conversation to the point where like, we'll do research the next day so that we can come back the next week and tell them about all the cool shit we found. Right? Like I've never or very rarely have I received that level of interest in shit that I say. Like if I'm, if they're like, yo, what do you listen to? I'm like, you know, nineties Jay Z for example, they're like, okay, period. Like conversation over. You know what I mean? Like, do do you get that too?
0: No, all the time. But like, and it's exhausting. And that's why like I sometimes don't even put myself in that position and I might be doing myself a disservice, right? But sometimes for an introvert like me, whereas like being in sales is hard because I need to be on at all times and being an introvert where you get more uh, energy from like being by yourself, having to have to portray this like persona all the time is exhausting. Um, So a lot of times I don't even talk to them. I just pretend they don't exist. And like, that's not serving me either. But, like sometimes I need to protect my energy. Um, I get that too like and, then, and then then it's not my it.
1: manager, my manager told me I was being antisocial. Um, you know, my coworkers are starting to think I don't like them, and like all these things, I'm like, no, I'm just tired of faking
0: it it's It's a lot, and, like I was lucky enough that, um, so on my team, we have. I'm close with the two other Asians. And, like in tech, Asians are not considered minorities. Um, But as two Asian females, you know, in a world that is in a company that is dominated by white men, um, our experiences aren't that different. Um, Sometimes they are, but in terms of, you know, having men speak over you or having other people literally hear you say something and then go repeat it like it is their idea, um, it, it just it's an experience that happens to women, it happens to minorities, and I think that we can all um, get around that and we support each other. So I'm lucky enough that I can, I always feel like I can be myself with them. Um, I mean, I won't throw out a dead ass, but I'm like 80% myself with them um, because if it wasn't for them, I would be very tied up And what that looks like for me is that I sometimes, it seems like I'm not empathetic and I don't care about how other people feel. But that's just because when I get into that field where I don't feel like I can be my most authentic self at work, my persona becomes get the job done. My job is to get whatever it is I need to get done, done. Because that's what's going to drive me forward. and that, you know, comes with its consequences too, because then you're considered the angry black woman um, that's a little bit abrasive and aggressive. Um, but to me, I'm kind of like, but do I get the job done? And the answer is yes. And some of those aggressive and abrasive things are just a part of who I am. Whether they're perceived as abrasive or aggressive really depends on who I'm talking to. Because like I can do, there are certain behaviors that I can, um, you can you can perceive as being like, oh, that's just Samanda. She raised her voice, but she's not mad. She's just talking, she's excited. Whereas like, if I raise my voice out of excitement with someone that's not Hispanic or black um, and I'm not like laughing about it, they might think I'm like, I'm angry. I've actually had a client tell me, um, they said something and my response to them was, "Um, oh, that's really great to hear. And she's like, really, I really can't tell by your face. And it's just like my face is very much like I'm just looking at you. I'm, you know, I'm not smiling. I'm really just focusing on what you're saying. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's exhausting at times. So it's sometimes easier to just show up and get the job done.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so interesting what we. I think what we are sometimes labeled as. You know has a negative connotation where if you label someone else that it would be a strength you know like being aggressive like i hate that word right other people would be like oh she's a go-getter you know what i mean like he's he's so determined to get the job done where right? for you you just like i'm so tired of this shit. i'm just trying to get get the job done and get out of here
0: you and- know it's funny that you say that because it wasn't until we took um so i'm part of a big team so we're probably like nine people So you can imagine that nine different personalities, nine different ways of working is is tough, regardless of whether you're white, black, Hispanic, whatever. We all just have very different personalities. Um, So when I took one of the personality tests, um, it gives you like 35 strengths. And my third strength was command. So like that basically means that like when you're speaking, you speak with confidence, you walk into a room and people are going to listen. Um, And what's funny is that, my team was just like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I see that. And when they said that I was kind of like, if you didn't perceive it as command, something positive, when before this test, what did you perceive it as? Um.
1: And what did the, they say?
0: No, I, I didn't I didn't ask the question because why?
1: Oh, it was just in your why? head. Ooh, I, you should have
0: asked that. i <laughs> guilty of not trying to make them feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. I
0: get that. Um, I've actually had conversations with. So I had another uh, teammate of mine um, have issues just culturally adapting to America. He's not from here, um, but he was very what we could be what could be perceived as abrasive. Um, and my advice to him was: be careful, because they can, I I was like, they can be very sensitive. So you need to be careful what you say and how you say it because we grew up very differently. When I walk into a room and if I have gained weight, the first thing my aunt is going to tell me is, you look fat. That's just the way it is and I'm okay with that. Um, What's
1: the, uh, there's like a meme that says, uh, like Dominicans will will give you a nickname that's your biggest insecurity or something like that?
0: (laughs) Whereas like, and that's just the way that we are. Like they're very blunt. um, And that's how his culture is too. But that's not how, you know, the rest of our team functions, right? They are all about, you look really nice today. You did a great job. Instead of being like, you know what? Like you did a really great job. I like this, but you can be a bit more X, Y, Z here and it'll help you be more effective. Um, They missed that last part because it makes them uncomfortable. Um, So I always, did my best to make sure they were comfortable up until about six months ago when I was like, no, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, I'm not going to sit here and be uncomfortable for the sake of making you comfortable for the sake of making you feel better. Um, And I would say it's working for me.
1: What, what did you have one moment that was just like, fuck this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be me
0: um there was a moment
1: does that have anything to do with your daughter being born or like you know maybe no it was actually
0: before (laughs) she was born um okay when i i'm not one to bring a lot of emotion to the things that i like i guess not to the things i do more to like the decisions i'm making especially work um i'm very much a, a thinker and if things make sense if the numbers make sense i'm going with that um, so, when I have people that, when I work with people, bring a lot of emotion into work, or um, I just like, I don't want to say anything, and then have the person hear hear it, and then know I'm talking about them. But basically, I had a coworker um, lash out in front of my manager, um, calling myself and my, my other uh, peer out on... Perm- um, purposely excluding her from a project. Um, and when I say lashed out, she basically assumed bad intent from our side, um, told us that it was not our place to make decisions on her behalf. Mind you, the whole thing she misunderstood what had happened with like our manager had asked us to do something, we did it. We didn't know she was part of that, she wasn't part of the conversation. Right?
1: It's OK. Like, you know, you had a misunderstanding. You don't have to yeah. get into detail um, if you don't want to she yeah. lashed
0: out in front of our manager lashed out. And what I said afterwards to my other um, co-worker was, had that been me, had that been you that had lashed out in front of our manager like that, that wouldn't have gone well. Um, there were no consequences to that. When I spoke to my manager, he was like, did you speak to her about how you felt about that? And I said, the fact, and I was honest with him, I said, you were there. So like, while I can have a conversation with her. um, You can provide a more objective perspective. He never did. And I feel like, I'm not saying, I don't know 100%, but I feel like had it been me, had it been someone else that did that, he would have approached us, regardless of whether that person would have asked him to or not. But um, And at that point, I was like, I'm done trying to be sensitive to people's feelings because a lot of times they're just assuming bad intent anyway when it comes to our actions. So I'm just going to put it all out there and it's been fine.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a very similar situation where I think for me really like started that trajectory and like me being myself. Um, Yeah. I was thinking like, why am I getting called out on something where like people do this behavior all the time?
0: All the time. (laughs) uh,
1: All the time. And at least, at least I don't see them getting called out for it. Like, you know, potentially, but yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I've been through it as well. I mean, I'm glad that you're at a point now where you are finally feeling a lot more comfortable and just embracing who you are in all aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Not just how you dress, how you talk and all these things, but more so just like, your personality right and bringing that boldness and that confidence to life you know as you look forward you know what's one thing that inspires you and empowers you to continue being your most authentic self
0: um this is where i save my daughter um like these it's crazy that i i see her like i'll start doing something she's only six months so there's only so much she can do but like naturally i talk a lot with my hands so like i will say something to my husband and i will bring my hand down and just start hitting something when I speak. And the other day, she's sitting next to me and I was like, are you serious? And she takes her hand and she goes to me and she goes. So they're watching, they're watching everything that we do. Um, and I never want my daughter to feel like she needs to hide who she is. I never want her to feel like she can't be herself. Um, and that that's going to start with me. Like I need to always show up the way that I want to show up. Um, Because if I don't teach her, no one else is. You know, and my my husband also does a very good job at just being who he is at all times and being unapologetic about it. Um, And for me, it's also like, yes, um, there's, there's power in who we are. And I never like it to be like, us versus them, because honestly, I've learned a lot from the other side, specifically financial, financial stuff, right? Like growing up, you I feel like my parents taught me get a good job, make a lot of money and make sure you save, make sure you always save money. Whereas like working with people that come from wealth um, and have had families and generations and generations of wealth, they've actually given me a lot of pointers, right? i um, being like, you know what, like actually don't hold too much money. You should be investing, you know, X percent, like maybe get into real estate. And it's actually really helped me financially um, to get to where I want to be. And I feel like I'm in a good place and I probably wouldn't have done that without having um, that exposure to the other what the other side of the world looks like. Um, so I will say that while sometimes the experiences seem to be, like, all negative, they're not. It's just that it's, it's different. It's just different. <laughs>